Father, may we be desperate for you this morning. Lord, may our hearts seek and continue seeking, Lord, until we find that gift of God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are doing a great and mighty thing. And, Father, that you invite us to join in with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, may our hearts be stayed upon you. May the things that we do and say, Lord, glorify your name. Hallelujah. 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 I want to start this morning. I, mean, I think I might put Terry on the spot. Will you give us your favorite verse? Lean not on your own understanding. I want to just talk this morning about the flesh. You know, when we speak of the flesh in the Bible, it's really talking about this physical body and its carnal nature. You know, and in all reality, the only thing that keeps us really, truly from serving God completely is our flesh and the desires thereof. It's that part of us that holds back and that's fearful and, you know, uh, complains and murmurs and just like the children of Israel in the desert, you know, God gives us good things and we want something else or, uh, you know, but that's the flesh rising up within us. And I'm going to be reading out of King James this morning, but I want to just go to Daniel to begin with this morning. I want to just share a story out of Daniel with you. I'm sure that you've, most of you've read it and but I just noticed something in this. You know, it's, it's so wonderful to have God in our lives, but uh, we're going to talk about, in a sense, what happens to us if we don't allow God to come into our lives and into our hearts. And, I, you know, this story that I'm going to share with you this morning uh, has a lot of different interpretations, and it's historically valuable and all that, I know, but I think there's just a little hidden gem in this uh, that really just proves our need for God this is a story in Second Daniel. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to start in verse 31 when I start. But this is a story of Nebuchadnezzar, great and mighty king that uh, took over Israel and uh, sacked them, I guess you could say, in a sense. But as Daniel was in the land, as a wise and a mighty man of God, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And the dream was so troubling that it woke him up. Uh, I think we'd probably say it was a nightmare. But when he woke up, he couldn't remember what his dream was. This seems kind of odd, I guess, in a sense, but uh, maybe not. But anyway, he, he was woke up. And, and he called all the, his magicians and the astrologers and the Chaldeans, the, the people that were supposed to be wise and able to deal with these things. And he said, you know, I had a dream. And I want you to interpret it for me. And they said, okay, you know, tell us what the dream is and we'll tell you what it means. And he says, I don't know what it is. You need to tell me what the dream is. 
And they said, well, no king ever asks this. You know, if they want a dream interpreted, you have to tell us what the dream is. And he said, I think you're just stalling for time because you don't know or you won't know what the answer is. He said, if you can tell me what the dream is or what my dream was, then I can believe that you can tell me what the interpretation is thereof. And they said, this is impossible, king. You know, nobody, nobody asks this of any man. And so he got very mad with them. And he said, you know, I'm going to put you guys all to death if you can't tell me what this is. And he actually said, you know, I've had enough of this. Put them all to death. And the chief guard that was to carry this out came to Daniel. And Daniel said, what's going on here? What's all the hurry about? And he said, well, the king had a dream and he wants it interpreted. And nobody can tell him what the dream is. And Daniel said, well... You know, let me go to the king for just a little bit. And so he allows him to go to the king. And he says, king, he said, if you'll just give me a little time, you know, I'll tell you what your dream is and I will interpret it for you. And the king says, okay. And I think really what he said, I'll give you till tomorrow. You know, at this time is really probably what happened. Because it, it says in the word that that night Daniel received the vision in his sleep. He had told his friends uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and they got together. That's not what their names are probably in this scripture, but, but they got together and began to pray and that probably fast before the Lord and seek God's face. And God delivered to him that dream, and, and Daniel begins to praise God for this. You know, and he says, you know, you're the only ones who can change times and seasons, and you're the one that has wisdom and knowledge, you know, and I thank you and praise you, O God of my Father, this is verse 23, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desire of thee. So Daniel went to King Nebuchadnezzar and begins to tell him you know, about these things. And in verse 31, this is what he says. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken, the chaff, or broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation there before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall rise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh into pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest iron mixed with the miry clay." And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, thou, they shall mingle themselves together with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, 
which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. I want you just to notice this. I, I've read this a number of times, but I just got the thinking about these metals. You know, and in, in the beginning, God... Everything was perfect. You know, and even in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, God, in a sense, had ordained that. He had ordained Nebuchadnezzar to come in and to rule. But he, he desired that he would rule in a just manner. And, you know, if you know anything about the, the story of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, they became very close. And Daniel did some mighty things for Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, at times, acted like he believed in God. And other times, he didn't. But I was just thinking about... Man left to his own devices. You know, how it deteriorates. You know, how it degenerates. We started out here with a kingdom of gold. Probably, you know, the most precious material there is. Next we see the silver, bronze, iron, and so on. But just how it just continually de-evolved, I guess you could say. I don't know how, you know. But it, it got less and less. And as mankind begins to think in his own being and in his own ideas, you know, this world gets worse and worse. I think we, we notice that. Uh, if you know anything about it, I mean, look back into the very beginning. God created man. Everything was perfect. Adam and Eve sinned. They lived for a while, about 1,600 years, and there was a flood. And I want to turn to that. And I want to turn to Genesis chapter 6 here and just read this one verse. Why don't you just notice in 1,600 years what had happened upon the earth. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In a little over 1,600 years, man had gone from a perfect existence with God in the Garden of Eden to the place where God said, I've got to get rid of them. They're so bad, they're so evil, they're so wicked. Uh, we can't take this anymore. It, it can't, you know, continue this way. And you, you know the story that he found Noah, a man that uh, was righteous in his sight and saved Noah and his family. And, and then once again the earth began to be repopulated because of that. But I want you just to notice man, <laughs> left to himself in a sense, just becomes so sinful, so wicked so quickly you know and the flesh I was just thinking about these materials here you know and I was thinking about clay and I don't know but when I think about clay I think of humanity you know we talk it talks about in Genesis how that God formed man out of the dust of the earth but I don't know if you've ever tried to make anything out of dust you can't form it you can't form dust it has to have some moisture to it and if you add moisture to dirt, usually it becomes clay or mud, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, something that you can form and work with. And I was just thinking about this clay, you know. It, the life of man, if left to itself, comes back to nothing but mankind, humanity. You know, and that's what we're seeing in the world today. 
It's all about man and his thoughts and his ways and what he thinks is right. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it's nothing about God in a sense. It's very little about God. And God says, you know, you, you need to be thinking about me. I'm the one with the wisdom. I'm the one that you can trust, you know. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't, don't trust the flesh. Don't trust your understanding. Don't trust your wisdom. We've got to, you know, be desperate for God, just like we were just singing. We've got to desire God in everything and every part of our lives. Uh, there's a scripture in Matthew that Peter's talking with Jesus about certain things, and Peter says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. You know, and that's where we need to be. We need to be in a place where it's not this flesh that's trying to reveal things to us. It's God's Spirit that's revealing things to us. Also in Matthew, it says that the flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've got to realize, folks, that, you know, without God, we're weak. <laughs> in all reality, we're doomed without God. There's nothing good that can come of a life that's lived for itself. You know, that's why Jesus taught, you know, if you're going to live, you're going to have to die. We sang this morning, you know, God bids us, come and die. Come and die. Let, you know, let that old life go and take on this new life and see what a blessing, what a pleasure it is to live for me. I want to turn to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here in closing. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh or the carnal desires thereof, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us when we continue to follow His ways and not our own desires, our own lusts. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because, that, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a place where most of our world's at today. We're in a place where we can't please God. Nothing that we're doing, you know, through natural ideas, natural things, is pleasing to God. God's desire is that we would be following or be led by the Spirit. Uh, you know, so I want to just challenge you this morning as, you know, we're continuing to look forward into this new year and God desires for us to do great things. Remember that it's not through our own thinking. It's not through our own desires. It's through what God wants. You know, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Make sure that what we're doing is born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And do not walk after the flesh. Walk after the Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, I want to just thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you that you've described to us, Lord, that there's a war, there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit, and we need to choose the spiritual walk. Lord, hallelujah. We're not to trust 
in our own ways, Lord, our own thoughts, our own actions, the way that we would do things. We need to trust in you. Hallelujah. Help us not to lean to our own understanding, Lord, but to lean upon you and to desire you more fully within our hearts and lives each and every day. Lord, this is the way things get accomplished, and this is the way that a life is lived righteously and peaceably in you and in this world. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you that you've overcome the flesh. Lord, that you came as a fleshy man, but you overcame. You did not sin. You became that perfect sacrifice, Lord, and as we accept the blood of that sacrifice, Lord, we are made perfect in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I just love you and I just thank you for your word, Lord. Cause us to walk after the Spirit this year and not after the flesh, I ask in your name.